You are listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. For more information on RSM, visit us online at therenovation.church. We're going to continue our series in John. I think it's chapter five. My goodness. Yes, I have notes here. Okay, so I do want to introduce myself. Gabe did a little bit, but I want, I want you guys to know who I am. If I could describe myself, and I want you to picture yourself describing yourself in a very similar way, for the guys to be very similar, girls just change maybe a word or two, but here's who I am. I'm a, I'm, I'm a son of the living king, and I am forgiven of all my sins. That is who I am. That's whose I am. I also could have said, well, my favorite color is blue. Who, I mean, blue is the best color, so who doesn't like blue? Okay, I like soccer. Soccer is awesome. American football is a close second. Um, oh, yeah, I have a wonderful wife. We have a lot of kids. I've, I have three kids here in RSM. One's not feeling good. Samuel's, Samuel's um, at home. But anyway, I, I, we have seven kids. That number is, is correct. We have seven kids. Those are details about me, but that's not me. I am a son of the living king, and I'm forgiven of all my sins. That's who I am. So we're going to put this on the screen. I'm going to take this passage of scripture and separate it into three different parts and then talk about it a little bit. And then I hope you guys learned something. I know I learned something in studying this message. Okay, so but before, we, before we even start, last week, Gabe talked about a guy getting healed at the pool. And so here's my perspective with that. This man, who was here last week? Raise your hand if you, okay, okay. Gabe did a great job. We all know he did. This man could not walk. He had a wonderful, special, beautiful encounter with Christ, and then he could walk. Here's my perspective on that. When we encounter Jesus through praise and worship, through studying his word, through, through serving other people, when we encounter Jesus, I want us as sons and daughters of the living king to leave different. This man couldn't walk, now he can walk. He encountered Jesus and his life wasn't, oh, hey, what's up, same old, same old. No, 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 not same old, same old. I encountered the son of the living God. I encountered Jesus, our savior. Your lives, our lives, my life should be different when we encounter Jesus. So let's begin. John 5, we're gonna take verses 16 through 18 right now. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So the religious leaders were mad that Jesus was working on the Sabbath and Jesus was doing miracles on the Sabbath. Okay, here, here, here's what I want you guys to understand. A beautiful thing happened. A man couldn't walk. Now he can walk. And they're the religious leaders. So in this day and age, it'd be people like Gabe, people like Jeff, people like Andrew, people like me, the religious leaders that are mad that something good is happening. And I just want you to think about your circle that's close to you, not necessarily the people that are sitting next to you, but think about your circle of friends. Here's, here's a thought. 
If you, if you have a person in your circle of friends when wonderful things are happening, the football team just won the championship, everything is happening, you know, a, a family wasn't looking like they were doing good, but mom and dad got back together and things are happening. When awesome things are happening and somebody is ticked off that that's happening, I would just, I would just tell you, you're hanging out with the wrong people or the wrong person. I am telling you, when good things are happening, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders should have been like, wait a second, wait a second. This man was crippled, he was lame, now he can walk. They should have been asking questions like, Jesus, tell me more, how did this happen? So I'm gonna encourage you, when you're hanging out with Debbie Downer and you're not a Debbie Downer, give it six months, you will be. Do you guys understand what I'm, Gabe's the only one, you guys understand what I'm saying? Yes, you are, you just don't wanna have hard conversations with friends. Okay, you know what, we're gonna stay friends, we'll stay friends, I'm gonna keep on going, it's okay, it's okay. All right, the religious leaders did not have a good understanding of what the Sabbath was and what the Sabbath was not. The synoptic gospels, everyone say Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, okay. I didn't ask 32% of you to say it. I want everyone to say Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Okay, so the synoptic gospels that come right before John all have this verse. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So in other words, the Sabbath is a blessing to us. Honoring the Sabbath and keeping the Sabbath is a, is a beautiful and holy thing. The Sabbath is a day of rest. Keep the Sabbath. Here's what I want you... Okay, if you know people that are old like me or even kids like you guys, teenagers like you guys, and they're always, 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 always running around and they don't have margin, they don't have time to do the good things, I'm gonna tell you that person is not honoring the Sabbath. Here's why. You work six days, or in our all culture, five, five days, and then you, you do yard work for, for one day, and then you take a Sabbath for one day. When you take a Sabbath, you are training your body at the age of 13 or the age of 16, you are training your body, your emotions, your mind, your wellness, everything, you're training your body to just for a minute, just for a minute. I just didn't talk for a second and a half and didn't it seem like three minutes? We cannot, as a culture, we cannot sit still. We're always, now I understand there's lazy people out there. I get it, there's bums, I get it, I get it. But most people, cannot sit still. I'm telling you, if you train your body, if you train your life to honor the Sabbath, and for me, look, Sunday is one of my favorite days of the week, but I work my butt off on Sunday. Friday is normally my Sabbath, and so I do not very much, or I just do things that I enjoy doing because I need that. As a young person, train yourself. You don't wanna be old like me or a young person like Gabe just being like, hold on, I gotta go to the next thing. Take a Sabbath. So, so here's the thing. Have you guys ever, don't point to people, and please don't point to me, but have you guys ever seen someone that literally is controlled by money? Be nice, don't say, just, just think. This person is money, 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 money. They will run over, through, around. It doesn't matter. Their God is money. Do you know why they're God's money? Because when they were young, like you, they got their first job, and you know what they didn't do? They didn't tithe. They didn't say, so what I'm saying is, 
If you don't wanna be controlled by your time, if you wanna have rest in your life, at a young age, take a Sabbath. If you wanna be old like me, and you don't wanna be controlled by monetary possessions and things, then I'm just gonna encourage you and challenge you. This message isn't about tithing, but I encourage you, if you don't want money to own you, then tithe. By the way, you're welcome. That's gonna help you in life. Please take a Sabbath. Please tithe. Do this, you are training yourself, and you've been alive a decade and a half, and that's awesome. We're not promised tomorrow, but in Christ, there is much to do, and you are just at the beginning of your life. So, my point with all of this, first point, keep a Sabbath day. That is spelled with two Bs, that is correct. Keep a Sabbath day. Another point in this, the religious leaders were mad that Jesus was equating himself with God. Our culture doesn't have a problem with God. It doesn't, because God is a, is a lowercase g. Here's who God can be in our culture. Buddha can be God. Muhammad can be God. For a lot of people, it's money. Even some other people, it's ourselves. Our culture doesn't have a problem saying God because God is changing. God can be any, almost anything. The religious leaders had a problem calling Jesus God. I'm gonna encourage you. Our culture doesn't have a God problem because anything can be God. But as soon as you bring it to Christ, as soon as you say Jesus Christ is the only way, then people are like, ah. So our culture doesn't have a problem with little, little G God. Our culture has a problem with God. Okay, so we're already one third through. We're, we're getting it, okay? I do, wanna, I do wanna mention something before I read the next, before I'm reading the next passage. This was my Bible in college. It was the late 90s, and you were, you were on, on that side of eternity, not, not yet to be born, but God knew, God knew you're gonna be here. And this Bible's been through a couple of things. It really starts in Genesis chapter 30 because the, the binding isn't all that great. Okay, so when I, I went to school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, some of you guys know it's shaped like this. It's in the middle of the country. I went to a, a really cool school, and I was the RA, or I was in charge of, of a group um, group of maybe 25, 27, 30 guys at the most, and I was our RA, so I would just have to do enforce the laws, or the rules, laws, uh, the rules, and I didn't have a roommate. I had a good buddy in college who occasionally, you know, he lived off campus, great guy that would occasionally, I'd be like, dude, just crash with me. I got a couple beds, whatever, but normally um, I had my own room, and the reason I tell you this, I locked my door because even though I went to a Christian school, I don't trust people I don't know. I just don't, like I just, I just don't. So I locked, I locked my door, I always locked my door. One day I walked into my, to my dorm room all the way in Oklahoma, it was so awesome, and my, my Bible was open like this, and the window was open because it was, I don't know if it, it was probably fall, but it could have been spring, it was nice outside, and the window was open, and I don't know if you can see it, but Proverbs chapter nine and 10, okay, chapters nine, it was ripped out. The, the Bible was, was, was ripped out. Now, I wouldn't do that to the Bible because I don't want lightning to strike my head right now, so why, why would I do that? And I kind of thought to myself, I was the RA, so really, let's just say there were 25 guys on the floor. 23 were really cool, okay? 23 were like, oh, Dean, okay, we'll get better at that, whatever. There was always one or two guys that wanted to push the boundaries, push the limits, and I would have to enforce it. There was a curfew. There was, I mean, it was just, you know, so I'd be like, hey, man, where were you? It was like 1240, like, come on, man. And so I knew one or two guys, quite honestly, 
and this is something for you guys. If you wanna be in leadership, you're gonna need to care less about how many people like you. I need to tell you that again. If you're gonna be in leadership and you're gonna do your job, some people are gonna love you and respect you and some people, the minute you walk out the door, are gonna curse your name. It will happen if you're in leadership. And I, I'm not saying I was a great leader. It's just, it's just the way that things happen. So a, so a page was ripped out and I thought maybe one of the two guys that maybe aren't Christians on the floor did this, but that's so low, that's so low. So I just, I was processing it. The next day, went out to class, yada, yada, yada. Next day, now pages 10, 11, uh, Proverbs 10, 11, and 12 are ripped out. So another page is ripped out. And I am beside myself, because I'm like, God's gonna kill somebody right now. This is terrible. What on earth is happening? So the, the second day, I walk in my, my dorm room, and I was on the sixth floor of a seven-floor building. No one was above us. It was, it was just an empty floor, but there was a... And so I look near the window. Guess what I saw? I saw the squirrel right there. It looked at me. Now, look, listen to me. I couldn't tell you that I saw the Bible in his little, in his little thing, but a squirrel took uh, two pages of my Bible on two consecutive days, and I kind of said, are you kidding me? I am not going to let a squirrel digest more of the Bible than I am. So I'm telling you, listen to me, listen to me young people. I know all these books are great. You can learn about leadership. You can learn about all kinds of stuff. I'm telling you, there is no book that is even close in this book has the words of life, salvation. Please do not ever be tempted to put this book on the shelf and put another book next to it in terms of importance. Do you guys understand what I said? Do not let a squirrel Take in more of God's word than you. Young ladies, this is for you. Young men, this is for you. I want you to dig into God's word. So these are the holy words of God. Verses 19 and 20. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only, um, he can only do what, his father, what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as a father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the Father who sent him. Jesus here is talking about his relationship. He is the Son. He is talking about his relationship with the Father, and they're in unison. They're in one. This passage of Scripture doesn't hit on the Holy Spirit too much, but these are two parts of the Trinity that are in unison. They are working together. And here's the thing. Scripture just says here, you're gonna see even greater miracles than these. And here's my perspective. We just saw a man that was crippled stand up and walk, and now his life is completely different. Now you're telling me that is a small miracle compared to what's, hap what's gonna happen? And Jesus is saying, you guys wait. This is gonna be awesome. And I thought the lame being able to walk was awesome. Jesus says, there is much, much more. 
the religious leaders wanted Jesus dead. Here's the thing. If you can heal someone, if you, if, if you can do a, some kind of trick and he, you know, a hand shriveled up and then, it gets, and then it gets healed or you know, healing someone and now they can walk, that is power. But here's the thing. When you talk about having the power to bring the dead back to life, that is ultimate power. That is ultimate authority. The Pharisees didn't want to punish Jesus. They wanted to kill him. And here's the thing. They had the wrong perspective or a wrong perspective of who Jesus is. So here's, here is, this is a true story. I'm not kidding about this and don't make fun of me for it. But this is my teddy bear from the 1970s, I kid you not. And girls, I'll, I'll tell you, this has been washed at least twice in 47 years. This has been washed before. Here's the thing. A lot of us think Jesus is a little teddy bear who's never gonna tell us no, who doesn't have a spine, who doesn't have a backbone, a little teddy bear, little cuddly, snuggly little Jesus, and I'm here to tell you, that is very poor, that is very soft, that is, quite honestly, awful theology. Now, if you're gonna say, well, Jesus is like a teddy bear in that he's always gonna be there for you, okay, that's a crazy thing. That if you wanna perceive that, that's fine. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus isn't soft. Jesus will tell you yes to everything he wants you to say be yes to and no to everything that's gonna be awful for you. Jesus isn't a little teddy bear. That is very bad theology. I do wanna let you know something else. I don't, I don't have it here, but Jesus isn't, isn't just your ticket into heaven. You know, like when you go to the movies or go wherever, you know, you have your phone and you, know, you scan something and that allows you to go in. Jesus is not simply your ticket to heaven. Yes, you're not gonna go to heaven without faith in Christ, but your, your walk and your relationship and everything you have with Jesus, you are missing out on 80 or 90 awesome years if you're like, oh yeah, Jesus is my get out of jail free card. Jesus is just my little teddy bear. Anything I want, he gives me. That's not, that's not Jesus. Jesus is going to judge all of heaven and all of earth. God the Father has all power, and you know who he gave it to? Jesus. Jesus is loving. Jesus is caring, but Jesus isn't soft. Aslan in, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and the Narnia stuff is a powerful creature, and yes, Aslan loves the good guys, and like, come on in, let, let's do this, but if you're on the wrong side, can you imagine a ferocious lion devouring evil? That's what Aslan does. The Bible calls Jesus the Lion of Judah, not the teddy bear that's in your little closet that's soft and cuddly that you can get out once in a while and say, oh, little Jesus, without a backbone. That's not who Jesus is. Jesus is Lord and Savior of everything, and God the Father gives him all power. And a lot of times people say, well, Dean, you can't judge me. And in part, they're right. No one can judge me. And I'm gonna tell you, Jesus will judge you and will judge me, and for those who are in Christ, that shouldn't be scary. And here, here's the other thing. A lot of people say, God and I, we're cool. G we're, we're cool. 
And I'm gonna tell you, um, people say, Jesus knows my heart. I'm gonna tell you what Jeremiah 17, nine says. Because a lot of people say they're good people. They have, they have good hearts. Here's what Jeremiah 17, nine says. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. So if you say, God's not gonna judge me, he knows my heart, I'm telling you, your heart is just like mine. It can be manipulated, it can be awful, it can be full of L, lies, deceit, so don't, don't, don't tell me, God and I are cool, he, he's not gonna judge me. Jesus will judge everything. And here's the other thing, if you're, if you're not scared quite yet, Jesus doesn't judge us by our standards. Here's what our standards are. Well, Dean, I'm a good person like you because I haven't murdered people. I don't abuse little children. I'm not a terrorist. So those crazy standards for some reason we have, well, we're a good person because we don't do that stuff. Here's what Jesus says. Here's the standards of our almighty God. If you look at a woman or look at a man with lust, you have committed Adultery, okay, adulterer, 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 adulterer. Every single one of us is guilty under the law. So don't sit there and tell me, God, our standards are I'm not Adolf Hitler or Benito Mussolini or Chairman Mao of the Communist Party, so I'm pretty cool. What, are you kidding me? Our God is perfect and is holy and wants to bring his sons and his daughters back to us. And here's the thing. People always say, well, gee, you know, God's not gonna judge me. He knows my heart. A couple of chapters ago, maybe a chapter ago, you guys talked about the woman at the well. Okay, you guys remember that? Raise your hand if you guys heard the woman at the well. Okay, Gabe talked about it a couple weeks ago probably. Okay. When that woman looked at Jesus, Jesus, I'm gonna, listen to this. You're not gonna agree with me. I'm okay with that. Jesus was judging her. Now, he wasn't judging her with anger. He was judging her with love and compassion. He said, hey, go home, you know, go home to, to your husband. You've already had five, and the one you're living with isn't your husband now. And she said, my goodness, you are the Messiah. Here's what Jesus told her. You tell me he's not judging her. Jesus said, go and sin no more. Jesus was judging her with love, with grace, with mercy, with compassion. If he wasn't, he would have said, oh, yeehaw, you, you know, you've had so many husbands, you sleep around. No, Jesus said, go and sin no more. So don't tell me Jesus doesn't, stop it. It's, it's terrible theology. I would encourage you to look at God's word. And I'm glad you guys are in, John. Okay. Jesus wanted her in freedom. He didn't want her in change. I'm gonna set up a video and then you're gonna, you're gonna it's, it's about six minutes long. This is a Living Waters video. The guy's name is Ray Comfort and he unpacks scripture and theology in a beautiful way. I want, this, 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 is a, this is a guy. Anyway, just look at this video and then I'll unpack it. Guys, look at this. asked you if you think there's an afterlife, what did you say? I said no, but I sure do hope so. So you say there's no afterlife, but you hope there is? Yes. Do you think someone can find out what happens after people die? Is there any authority? No, I don't think so. What about the Bible? Have you ever read the Bible? No, I'm not religious. Do you think life has an instruction book? No, it doesn't. 
And you're supposed to write your own book. Okay. So how's your book writing going? What's your origins? Where did you come from as a human being? I can't say. You don't know, do you? I don't know. What's your purpose for existence? I don't mean what do you do while you're here, but what is your supreme purpose for being alive? You don't know, do you? No, I don't. What's going to happen to you after you die? I don't know that either. So you don't know where you come from. You don't know what you're doing here. You don't know where you're going to. You know why that is? Because you've never read the instruction book. The Bible's the instruction book. So the Bible's the instruction book, yeah. okay. Have you ever tried to put an appliance together and it hasn't worked and then you go back and read the instructions after it hasn't worked? Yes. You know why you do that? Because you're a man. Men do that. Women don't. They read the instructions. Well, that's what humanity has done with life. We haven't bothered to read God's instruction book. In the Old Testament, God promised to destroy death and in the New Testament, we're told how he did it. Did you know that? Didn't. What the Bible says. So would you like to know how you can live forever? Yes. Okay, I'm going to share the gospel with you. The gospel means good news. Let's say there's a doctor who has a patient in front of him that looks incredibly well. He goes to the gym every day, but the doctor knows he's going to be dead in two weeks because he's seen x-rays. He's got poison seeping through his system. The doctor has a cure in his pocket. Does he give him the cure or show him the x-rays? I think he should show him the x-rays. Once the man in front of the doctor sees the x-rays, he's going to get a little scared. He's going to shake a little and say, Doc, this is serious. What should I do? Then he's ready for the cure because now he's seen his disease. So you've got it right. Diego, do you think you're a good person? I would call myself a good person. Okay, so you think you're morally well and healthy. I've seen x-rays. I've seen what the Bible says. It says differently. So I'm going to share the x-rays with you before I give the cure to you. Can you handle that? I could. It's going to be a little scary, but we can do this. Okay. All right? How many lies have you told in your life? Too many to come. So what do you call someone who tells lies? A liar. So what are you? I'm a liar. Have you ever stolen something, even if it's small, in your whole life, irrespective of its value? Yes. What do you call someone who steals? A stealer. Thief? A thief. So what are you? I'm a thief. A lying thief. Do you still think you're a good person? No. So we're looking at the x-rays. They're showing a poison seeping through your system. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Yes. That's using God's holy name as a cuss word. It's called blasphemy, punishable by death in the Old Testament. Appreciate your honesty. Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Yes. You had sex before marriage? Yes. So here's a quick summation of your condition before God. This is the x-rays. Dago, you've told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating adulterer at heart who's self-righteous and saying you're a good person. When you're not, you're like the rest of us, which is a sin in God's eyes. So if God judges you by the Ten Commandments on Judgment Day, you're going to be innocent or guilty? I'm going to be guilty. Heaven or hell? Hell. Now, does that concern you? Yes. It should horrify you to think if you died today and God gave you justice, you'd end up damned by Almighty God. Do you know what God did for guilty sinners so we wouldn't have to go to hell? You actually do know, but because you don't understand it, you don't value it. Have you heard of Jesus dying on the cross? Yes. Okay, this is the cure. We've looked at the disease. It's made you sweat a little. You're thinking, man, what should I do? I've got this terrible disease. I'm terminal. Here's the cure. Most people have heard of Jesus suffering on the cross, but they don't know this, and this will change everything for you if you can get a grip of it. The Ten Commandments are called the moral law. You and I broke the law. Jesus paid the fine. That's why he said, it is finished, just before he died. He was saying, paid in full. If you're in court and you've got speeding fines, 
a judge will let you go if someone pays them. You say you're guilty, but someone's paid you fine, you can leave. And he does that, which is legal. Well, God can legally take the death sentence off you. He can dismiss your case in an instant because Jesus paid the fine in full. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him or trusts in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then Jesus rose from the dead after he suffered for our sins. And if you'll simply repent of your sins and trust in Jesus, God will grant you everlasting life as a free gift. Not because you're good, but because he's good and kind and rich in mercy. Is this making sense? Yes. Are you sorry for your sins? Yes, I am. Do you know what the word contrition means? No. It means to be sorry for sin. And the Bible says, a contrite heart God will not despise. And it says contrition or godly sorrow brings about repentance. And you'll turn from your sins if you're truly sorry for them. And you come to God and say, God, I've sinned against you. Please forgive me. Wash me, cleanse me. And he will, he'll create a clean heart in you. Diego, he'll give you a, a personal miracle. This is the miracle that will happen the moment you obey the gospel. God will make you a brand new person on the inside that loves righteousness. You'll want to do that which pleases him instead of that which is offensive to him. And that's your own personal miracle. I'm still shocked at what happened to me 52 years ago. I was born again with a new heart and new desires. So when are you going to repent and put your faith in Jesus? As soon as possible. Can I pray with you now to do that? Yes, please. And you're sorry for your sins? Yes, I am. I see you're tearing up a little. Just a little. Just a little. Okay, let's bow in prayer. Okay, so this guy, Ray Comfort, he takes the Ten Commandments, not to say, hey, if we obey him, we go to heaven. He takes the Ten Commandments and say, hey, have you lied? Have you cheated? We all have. To, to emphasize you're an absolute mess, just like me. The only cure for this disease that we have called sin is Jesus. So here's a couple points, okay? Watch Living Waters on YouTube. A lot of times you tell a 15-year-old to get lost on the internet and sometimes it doesn't go well. I want you guys to just Google Living Waters. His name is Ray Comfort. He has a cool accent, so of course he's smarter than me. I think most people have accents immediately. So anyway, I like listening to him. He's also good at what he does. You're gonna learn some scripture. You're gonna learn some theology from some of these videos. Um, so that's, that's one of the points. Another point with this section of scripture, God the Father and God the Son are working together. God the Father, God the Son are working together. And the fourth point, and then we'll, 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 we'll move on, Jesus will judge mankind. So don't sit there and say, oh, God's not gonna judge me. Oh, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll, we'll hit more in a minute. But Jesus will judge mankind. Okay, we're gonna finish up with verses 24 through 27. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, the time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as a father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. 
By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Jesus is saying, he's given us the words of life. He's saying, all those who trust me will have eternal life. And that seems, if that seems like an okay deal, I don't think you heard what I said. Jesus says, all those who trust me have eternal life. You've passed from death to life. That doesn't end. You guys look at people, maybe even a little bit older than me, 80-year-olds, and like, oh, you're old. Are you kidding me? That 80-year-old lived this long on this earth and will be in eternity forever and ever. And for those who are in Christ, that is a beautiful thing. For those who are not in Christ, they will rise up to be judged and then condemned. For those who are in Christ, it's a beautiful thing. Jesus is saying, not whether you're good or bad, you'll be judged. Jesus is saying, my judgment is just. And Jesus is saying, all who have faith in me, the son, will live. Jesus wants us to be restored to his father. Who is gonna share this message? It's kind of silly to put it this way, but who's gonna share this message with the weird kid in your math class? Think about that. Your mom's not going to. I'm not going to. Your small group leader's not going to. Who is gonna tell the nerd in science class, and you think you're good, you get 94s, this kid gets 99s, 100s. Who's gonna tell that nerd who doesn't know Jesus about Christ? Gabe's not going to. Your dad's not going to. You sit next to him or you sit next to her in class, and so it's on you. I would encourage you to embrace this love, this healing, this peace, this forgiveness in Christ. That way you can go out and share it. I feel like our culture is on an airplane that is destined to crash. Either we ran out of gas or we were shot down because we were near, near, whatever. Our plane is on a trajectory of going down and here's what I feel like our culture is doing. We're standing, we're on the airplane, we're standing on the edge and we pick up, who likes Swedish fish, honestly? Okay, I saw your hand first. These will not save you, but you may have them, okay? I feel like our culture opens up the bag of some Swedish fish and say, this will entertain me for a couple minutes. By the way, they taste good, so let's do this. I'm gonna move on. I'll be honest, last time I opened this M&M thing, it had more M&Ms in it, but I already told you I have seven kids, and so I need to talk to them when I get home. I feel like our culture is on a plane. We all know it's going down. And don't blame the president. No man can fix this. No woman can fix this. I feel like our culture is going down. We're going down. And we're like, mm, I got some M&Ms. Wee, I'm good. Now, for 45 seconds, it'll taste good. And then, let's just be honest. You'll be in the afterlife real soon. Here's the problem. Our culture is on a plane. We know we've got to jump. We know we've got to get there. Here's the thing. This kind of looks like a pair. Would you jump out of an airplane with this? This thing, I'd rather just hit the ground at 100 than 99. That's, that, might, that might for a second 
be a false Jesus or like something that looks cool or a cult, this isn't gonna save you. Here's the thing. We are on an airplane. We know it's going down and we think a couple M&Ms or some fish or just something that looks like Jesus for a second is gonna help us. Are you kidding me? If I'm on an airplane, pilot's gone. You don't want me flying the airplane. It's going down. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's what I'd rather do. Here's what I'd rather do. I know I'm kind of lost in this, got a lot of colors in it, it's pretty cool. I'd rather, on an airplane, know it's going down. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna get the parachute. And here's the thing, there's still some fear jumping out of an airplane. I've never done it, but I would imagine it would be scary. Okay, you agreed? Okay. In the parachute, you're still gonna hit the ground, but the parachute's gonna be with you the whole time. The parachute's gonna protect you. The parachute, obviously Jesus is our parachute. He is not saying, hey, guys, it's gonna be fun, it's gonna be easy, it's gonna be perfect. You still gotta get out there. You still gotta jump. But Jesus is saying, my precious son, my precious daughter, I'm with you the whole way. Don't settle for the distractions. Don't settle for the Swedish fish. They taste good for a second. That's not gonna help you. Don't settle. Peanut M&Ms are really good, but don't settle for them. Don't settle for the false Jesus. The only way that you're gonna hit the ground and not go splat is with a real parachute. The only way to save us from our disease which isn't, it's our disease, it's only sin. It's only sin. The only way we get fixed, the only way we get healed is Jesus. I would encourage you, do not settle for anything else. Don't settle for something false. Don't settle for a fad. Don't settle for sin. If you're doing, if you're doing sin right, it will be fun for a season and it will end in death. What kind of death? A physical death? Yeah. You wanna talk about all the diseases you can get by having a lot of fun for a minute? You wanna talk about an emotional death? That a physical death, emotional death? The worst problem with sin, it ends in a spiritual death and you're away from God forever and ever. That is hell, being away from God forever and ever. Jesus is saying, I got the parachute. You're gonna jump we're in this together. Some parts will be scary. There'll be, some, there'll, be some, there'll be some waves that maybe knock you over, but the waves aren't gonna knock God over and you're with God the whole time. My last point is scripture is telling you Jesus is our only hope. Jesus is Lord. I think I laid it on pretty thick. Jesus is our only hope, Jesus is Lord. I'm gonna pray for you, but before I do, before I do, I wanna tell you something. There may be, some of you have thoughts, some of you have a, maybe a disposition to sadness or taking things to the extreme. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is your hope. In your life, Things may be really rocky right now, but I'm telling you, you have a parachute on. 
and that parachute protects you. That parachute is with you. That parachute loves you. I'm here to tell you, for those who I don't know and don't know me, that's great, that's great. Jesus is your Lord. Jesus is your Savior. I feel like there's some young people in here who are on their last leg and they're saying, Dean, I don't have hope. I'm telling you, Jesus is your hope. I'm gonna pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each son, each daughter in this room. Thank you, Lord, for a youth group that is alive and well, for those who are on their last thread, those who are barely holding on, Lord. I pray about, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would give your son, you would give your daughter the hope that they need and the hope that we need. Lord, I pray that you would not allow the enemy to win and tell anyone in this room that they are in it alone because that is a lie from the enemy. Lord, there is hope in you, there is peace in you, there is forgiveness in you. Lord, I pray that everyone in here would feel loved and feel cared for and be welcomed by you. And Lord, may we come to the realization that you are the only way, Jesus is Lord, and when we are judged, we will be hearing the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Come on in to my home, which I have prepared for you from the beginning of mankind, from the beginning of time. I pray each of us would hear those words. In Jesus' precious name, all of God's people said, Amen. you guys are dismissed to go to small groups. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at the renovation.church.